Hello and welcome to Letters and Lines, a comics podcast looking at comics from the perspective of being a fan, a creator and a critic. Before we dive into what we're actually going to talk about in this episode, it's probably worth introducing who we are so you know whose voices you're listening to. I'm Hass, and I make Strip Panel Naked on YouTube. I edit the Eisner winning Panel by Panel magazine and I edit and letter comic books. And I'm Aditya and I letter comics like Hellblazer, Coffin Bound and Afterlift. I also design fonts as is going to be relevant in this episode and I also write stuff. So this is like this is like an impromptu second season. I say impromptu. We'll <laughs> pretend we planned it. This is a very planned, structured second season uh, of letters and lines. We did ten of episodes. an unspecified number of episodes. Yeah, there'll be some episodes. Uh, <laughs> Not the next few years. There is nothing thematically different. Uh, it's <laughs> just like Friends. We're just doing more of the same. <laughs> Uh, until we until until we're too rich and famous from this, uh, and then we'll move on to <laughs> subsequent failed podcasts. I guess that's what we're gonna do. Um, yeah, so I actually have an idea for one that we'll discuss after we're done with this. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, we've got two topics. That's the, the structure of the podcast. If you've never listened to this before, uh, is that we both uh, Aditya and I bring a topic to the podcast, and then we we spend some time talking about that topic until we've solved it. Um, hmm. And then we say goodbye for a, a week to two weeks. <laughs> sort of, sort of How long was it this time? I think it was like <laughs> two months or something. <laughs> for a period of time, but uh, we should <laughs> we should uh, be a lot more on schedule for this season of the podcast. Yeah, we are trying to record like multiple episodes so that we can have a little bank before we start publishing. Yeah, so when this one comes out, probably in two thousand and twenty-five, <laughs> or so, then, then we'll be on a strict schedule. Um, uh, yeah, well, yeah. But my topic, so I, the topic that I brought, uh, is, is very loosely about the idea of comics and pamphlets. Right. And my topic is, uh, what makes a good comic book font? Right. Yes. Which is, uh, Just I, considering both of us are letterers, yes. it's kind of relevant <laughs> to our jobs. To <laughs> we, we should have some level of expertise on this. You would hope. We'll find out. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, we didn't discuss before we started recording this which one you want to tackle first. Uh, let's do yours first. Okay, good. Um, so this was something that uh, I've been thinking about because so the issue of Panel by Panel that I'm working on at the moment, which uh, may be out by the time this comes out or may not, um, we're doing like a web comics centric episode. Um, and nice. a lot of that is kind of thinking about like the format of comic books and what you can do with comics. Uh, and not to get too like Scott McCloudy and reinventing comics, but like thinking about comics as something beyond just the, the kind of traditional sort of monthly um, pamphlet, right. you know, like the pamphlet yeah. format that we're, we're, that probably most people listening to this uh, podcast are familiar with as the kind of like monthly US direct market sort of comics model. Um, yeah. And also there was a there was an article that I uh, I'm going to talk about without having really read, uh, which was <laughs> an is article. it the infamous Jacobin one? Yeah, the one about uh, the gentrified. I, I didn't read it either. Yeah, I have. I've read the. In, I read the first. Like, you know, there's like a, a miniature intro, and then I gave up on it. Uh, <laughs> it probably tells you everything. Um, but it was got. It, it got me thinking about the form because uh, I also right. also for Christmas, um, uh, which may or may not be a thing that happened recently, depending when the episode comes out. Uh, <laughs> I got um, Chris Ware's Rusty Brown, which is yet another example of someone who is looking at how like how the form of the book itself. Uh, impacts what you can do with the with the content with the medium, um, right? And then also for Christmas, I I also got the uh, Eisner Miller book, and there's a little bit in that of of sort of Frank Miller being very sort of Frank Millery and angry um, about <laughs> uh, 
the format of comic books, which is kind of like also part of where this sort of idea came from, is is him really upset about the the, the you know like the pamphlet form and how that's really kind of um, negative towards what you can do with the medium. Um, right. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about like how your feelings and my feelings about that, um, and if we feel that monthly US comics being stuck in a certain model and form uh hmm. is holding back the medium and the growth of the medium and then and therefore what the medium can be because what i what i think is interesting is that arguably in 99.9% of monthly american comics the what is happening within the the form itself right within the medium and how the medium is being used and exploited is basically the same the the, the kind of the the set of tools is being used in similar ways um what people are doing with them is even even in kind of the slightly more out there versions of comics, like a Tradmore thing with kind of people blending through panels and time things like that, it's still right. not it's still not a million miles away from what people have done previously. You're sort of basically form. working with pages, kind of thing. Yeah, you you you've got you've got your kind of stuck level size of page for a start. Apart from what kind of I suppose there's, there's right. something we can talk about is how the, there's different ones now, that's especially like kind of DC doing different page sizes. But you're kind of stuck with the same right, page right. size. But basically, you're 17 by 26 centimeter. Thing. Right, and you've also you're working with a, a serialized medium where you're trying to fit a whole ton of stuff in to justify someone paying four dollars for it. Uh, which then yeah. ne- therefore sort of necessitates a certain kind of writing, um, yeah. which you don't ne- or which you, which you don't find in a lot of graphic novels. The, the, the style, uh, the way the thing is paced and written, is very very different because uh, they're not beholden to a particular format. Hmm. Yep. So my question to you, I'm going to put it to you, and then I'll throw some more at you. <laughs> is <laughs> sure. do you how what do you feel about the way? Do you feel that like the medium is being restricted? Especially, I'm obviously talking at the, for now primarily within that kind of like pamphlet-based sort of 2024-page US monthly comic. Do you feel like that restricts the creativity in terms of how you can approach the medium of comics? I think it does because um, I've been looking at like some of my favorite books, and those are not things that were written written for pamphlets. Right. So they're like you know, black and white 500 page things where <laughs> right. somebody took took like a year and a half uh, to do that. And mm-hmm. the thing is, uh, a 500 page story is obviously going to be paced differently from a serialized story told in like 20 page uh, installments. Yeah. Also, I, I think uh, the difference between manga and uh, Western comics is quite uh, uh, relevant here because Manga gives you like 20 page installments per week yeah. while, um, you know, American comics give you, gives you 24 pages per month. Uh-huh. And that's a very, like, um, that's a very different, uh, reading speed. Like you can, um, linger on moments in manga in a way that you can't quite do in Western comics. Um, like I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but some of my <laughs> best, uh, like some of my favorite comics in the monthly uh, sort of grind were a little hampered by the fact that they had to pack in a lot of stuff into a 20 page uh, uh, issue Mm -hmm. that like I think if each of those issues had like 30 pages to go for or or you know it could have uh, it could have gone on for longer Mm -hmm. uh, you know with a little more um, relaxed of a pace that would have improved it on the other hand, I th- do think that it kind of focuses people very well. <laughs> right, okay. okay. Um, yeah. You know, like, you you have to kind of, okay, here's your 20 pages, you can't faff around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, 
that each 20 page chunk has to be satisfying on like the of the better comics mm-hmm. each 25 page a uh, 20 page chunk has to be satisfying on at least some level right and has to actually move the story forward in a determined manner right so like that's but that that's interesting because that's so for me there's like a handful of like segments to this discussion but that's that is a very interesting one is about which which comes down to essentially like the the sort of cost for enjoyment ratio to a set yeah. right it's mm. like you have to make the 20 yeah. pages worth that four dollars and in, in which case many from in most instances that sort of means by packing at least uh, a bunch of story into that right in some in some right regard, which you don't necessarily would need to do in a just a random 20 page excerpt from you know like a what, what was your example a 500 page black and white <laughs> uh comic right um yeah yeah and but there's that i think which is an interesting point because that's a very kind of like commercial point which is true because if you don't sell true. enough of that is- issue three or whatever then you're not going to get to issue four where the really exciting thing happens or whatever um yeah but but you'd also see that the 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 perennial version of the monthly format is still the graphic novel like i mean it's still a collection mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the still the thing that get, basically continues to be sold like, over the years right um you know pamphlets are not really a perennial format like people have tried kind of to do that uh-huh. um but pamphlets i think by by default still feel a little disposable how <laughs> like whatever collectors might want to tell you yeah um it still feels like i i mean i i I don't feel like putting pamphlets on my bookshelf, you know? Yeah. And also um, it'd be impossible to find out which one's which. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but also like I, even the like the slimmest perfect bound book mm-hmm. can go on the bookshelf, like 40 pages or whatever, but right. like a, um, yeah, I but think. The, the, the thing, I, well, following on from that though, I think the, the thing with, yeah. with that is you've got this interesting weird model, right? Uh, especially more recently, I suppose, in, in with with uh, direct market comics, is that there's that kind of general expectation that whatever you sell for issue one, you're going to sell about half of that for issue two. And then you kind of you right. kind of are expected to carry that trend on to the point where like you're selling issue four and five to only really the most hardcore of those readers that have stuck with you yeah. for four or five yeah. issues. And then what? And then that's essentially advertisement for the thing that's actually going to sell, which is the the, the graphic novel. But yeah, and so you find so at, at some point you usually find yourself kind of losing money on the singles that you're <laughs> right. hoping to make back on the on the collection. Right. And what's interesting about that is that is that if you follow that trend, that argues that you shouldn't necessarily be writing comics um, for the single. You should be writing comics for the for the trade, which is like a lot of ar- a big argument that people have in terms of reading yeah. sort of month by month is that these things aren't satisfying because they only resolve as a whole six issues. However, what you what you find in that case for numerous examples is that. Even in that instance where you, your readers are not finding the single issues satisfying because it's telling one story over six issues rather than you know uh, a good story in each individual issue, is that you're still just writing yeah. within the same model, right? You're still writing in the same like the saga, right? Model. And you're also still writing the saga model, right? But but also we uh, actually uh, I have two points on that. Yeah. Firstly, we need to check like you know uh, let's say that. Uh, a, a book that is written issue by issue and like, you know, with an intention to make each issue satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, how much does that book sell versus a book that is intended to be eventually read as a paperback and right. does not actually make in, you know, the episodic model work. Yeah. So like, you know, what, what, what are, what is the audience response to that? Like what is, uh, you know, do, do those singles make less money? Um, that's, that's one question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
what did you say a saga model actually saga funnily enough yes i read saga in the trades uh-huh. but saga is actually written chapter by chapter like you like each chapter is a distinctive unit saga is written but as a six issue story arc each each single issue is a satisfying unit that ends you typically yeah. end up a cliffhanger or whatever but the story is but they but that those no, it's, it's, six it's, issues it, are a, a longer chapter right it's like, it's kind like of, paragraphs yeah, but, or whatever if every paragraph ends see, with a cliffhanger yeah, but that's BKV because like he's doing that Buffy thing of uh, this unit is satisfying and that unit is satisfying and that unit is satisfying. So like, right. um, like if you, for example, choose to read Saga as a 54 issue, like hardback mm-hmm. directly, that's going to be a story. Mm-hmm. It's this, the, the, each unit within it, which is a six issue arc is a story as well. Yeah. And each 20 page, uh, 20 or 24 page mm-hmm. unit within that is a story as well right like he's writing that buffy thing of like you know episodes and then arcs and then seasons but that's what that's what i'm seeing is like the ultimate model of the the pamphlet model which is yeah so when you're working towards that being kind of the penultimate version of what you can reach in that model you're limiting what you can do essentially because of those exact same reasons we talk, we've been talking about, you're limiting what the experimentation essentially that you can that you can have in that form. So if you look at Saga, which is a beautifully told story that I'm a massive fan of, the limitations within what Saga can do issue to issue is is quite strict. There isn't particularly true, anything that that's trying to change the way the medium ex- is explored or or anything, but it's telling you with the tools that it's got available to it, it's telling you an efficient story. Yeah, um, but like BKV is not that guy. I mean, it's, I think it's more to do with the writer than the format. Like uh, you, you look at something like Preacher, on the other hand, or like Transmetropolitan, mm-hmm. which is also a sixty issues sixty issue story. Um, there were like individual issues all thrown in there were like two issue arcs at different points right um the even the first arc was a three issue arc it was not a six issue arc yeah and it still made the overall story sort of work like i mean it i i think it kind of falls apart towards the end but that's not a that's not a flaw of the format Mm -hmm. The, the format is still that you are telling one story with certain like uh, side trips right. and the side trips thing is the thing that BKV doesn't do in Saga like chooses not to do mm-hmm. like, he's just telling one story because it's a saga um, <laughs> like uh, on the other hand he did that in Why the Last Man like Why the Last Man did have like a couple of like just um, you know um, left turns for a little while before they came back to the main right, story right. But, e- but even in the case of Transmetropolitan right so we're talking about what you can do in terms of sort of, sort of story points um, right. but again you're beholden to the format in terms of page, like Transmetropolitan had a, again, would have had a very similar page length. I can't remember mm-hmm. how much it, it sort of diverts from that, but the format itself is in the physical dimension of the comic. is exactly Yeah, it's like 24 arc. pages an issue. It's and, about the same uh, page length. So you're still stuck yeah. in that model. And and when you, when your ultimate model is uh, selling single issues while also trying to sell a book at a later date, yeah. a book that is then also still part of a sequence, essentially just a bigger version of the pamphlet, um, but yeah. within the same but physical I, dimensions, I, you're still stuck in something that's driven entirely uh, upon what the story is that you can that you can kind of channel into that pamphlet. Right. Because I don't think See, there's I any think... comics that you mm. would be reading now, like month by month, where yeah. the reason people are picking them up is because of what is necessarily... Uh, you know, because someone's pushing the the dimensions of what they're what they're doing in that comic, it's much more story oriented. That's mostly how those things are sold, almost exclusively. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think because we are talking about mainstream comics, that's kind of a limitation. But I think um, 
what you just brought up um that sounds a lot like the distinction between a network sitcom versus a streaming show right yeah uh, like a network sitcom is always going to be 22 minutes mm-hmm. um by while a streaming show can be anything from like 10 minutes to 48 minutes um yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, uh well not to bring up like louis ck but he like horace and pete what right. he did uh, was like the the episode was as long as it needed to be right right right, right. um and um with comics you can kind of do that uh, for for example i think uh, with these savage shores um, there are five issues and they're pretty much all different lengths i think mm-hmm. like maybe the first two are the same length but everything else is kind of as long as it needs to be yeah um because like ram knows where the stories needs to end but you're still you're still working though so cuz we 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 did some we did the same with black stars above where they vary between 20 and 30 pages like each issue right but you're still yeah. we're still very much working within the frame of 20 to 30 pages and we're also still working i mean i think, I think black stars is maybe like on the verge of cuz the pacing of that is very very uh very specific for the kind of story it's telling it's quite a slow paced um right like exploration um hmm. but again it's still it's still working within the same format like this, i think this is the, like i suppose the 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 point is like you i think your example was probably a very clear one of the network sitcom versus like a streaming one or whatever is that for a network yeah. sitcom you're kind of doing 22 minutes and also for the most part you're kind of trying to reset the thing right <laughs> almost at the end of <laughs> right. every episode because yeah. you don't know necessarily like how the next viewer is going to engage with it and you're trying to go as broad as possible to as many people comics is not yeah. it's not quite yeah. that but it works in that same it works in that same mode where like it doesn't necessarily have the space to just go all out because its audience is uh, it's trying to cling on to the biggest audience that it possibly can within the format. And, right. and actually, when you think about sitcoms, does 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 Friends, for example, push forward mm. what a sitcom could be, or does it, or does Friends sit as the kind of model for a perfect kind of network sitcom? For me, it's right, like quintessential rather than right. um, boundary you know, pushing. Like the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's that's quite fair. Like uh, one thing, like I would kind of like to bring back. Um, as a reader mm-hmm. is um, this whole thing that um, Warren Ellis and a couple of other people were trying at some point of time, which is the 48 page um, one shot, mm-hmm. which is like a whole short story, but because it's just slightly longer than what a short story would be, um, it has to kind of have a little punch to it. It has to be a little special. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, so it's just one. Like, it's not a graphic novel. Um, but it's like a, it's a graphic novella, or uh, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that format where, okay, you, you this could be any size. Um, this could be like any length that you really want. Like, uh, uh, as long as it's kind of like reads a certain uh, way. Mm-hmm. And it could be paced in any way that you want. Like, there's no limitation of pace and stuff like that. Right. So that's kind of interesting to me in this particular context right now. Yeah, I think there was... But, like... There was, like, um, the belt... That just made me think of... Was it the Belfry? Uh, the Gabriel Hardman? Yeah, uh, Gabriel like Hardman. That, that was fun, yeah. 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 And that, I think that was the same thing. Like, it was, like, a 30-page... Yeah. Or whatever it was, one shot. That was... But, again, right. it, it sits within the same format. The other thing that it, you just... What that just made me think of was the... Uh, Eric Zawadzki. Okay, what do you mean when uh, you say format here? Do you mean the size? The size, the size, yeah. Right. And but which made me think of the Eric Zawadzki, um, Ryan Lindsay, uh, Eternal, yeah. Eternal, right? Which was more like yeah. uh, a album European format. album format, right? Right. Which again, yeah. even just the, the, a simple difference of page dimension allows yeah. you to do something different. 
Or like a, you were oh, talking, Dudley. You're talking about a widescreen comic that I think I don't probably can't talk about it, but you're you mentioning a widescreen comic. Uh, so like something like uh, what what BKV did with. Yeah, but we could talk about three hundred, for example. Three hundred right, was exactly right. that. Like yeah, it was yeah. like it was a. Um, I think I think every page was a double page spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how it worked. You could do that, like you could do either like a widescreen comic, or mm-hmm. you could literally do like a every page is a double page. I actually, I actually want to do a comic like that. That's, this is a particular idea that I have. I just need the right artist where every page would be a double page spread. Yeah, and it would be told like through panels in between that, uh, and it it is a different like it is a different reading experience. Well, next next wave, uh, I want to say issue like issue eleven, maybe it was the, the last issue or the penultimate. Oh, the, issue. the one where they did an eighteen page spread or something like that. Yeah, they just did that thing where it was just like it was page after page of of just like fight sequences, but it was just a see. But they were barely storytelling during that time. It was like more of showboat, <laughs> more showboating. Right, right, right. But again, it, I think th- that's kind of the interest in like doing attempting to do something different with the pamphlet format. And like we yeah. talked, talked, Ellis did, Ellis did uh, fell with Ben Temple Smith, which again was kind of trying to, but but the, yeah, the I slimline think, format. Yeah, but I, th- I feel like a lot of these are more like to do with um, figuring out ways of making the pamphlet more like ingestible <laughs> in that yeah. format. Like if we can do sixteen pages for two dollars or whatever, you know, we can we can make this format a little bit more um, agreeable right. to, the, to the wallet. Um, if you if you want boundary pushing, I actually read um, uh, this book called Micrographica by uh, Rene French, I think, mm-hmm. which is literally uh, it was drawn. Each page is an inch square, right, uh, right? Like it was it was drawn on an inch square, and I think it was printed on like a two inch square, right? Uh, so it's like blown up for printing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a novelty item. It's not really like something that I would <laughs> recommend as a format to everybody, right? But but actually, like I really did like the format of each page being a single square, right. and that's coming back to like uh, the guy who does all of the stuff. Warren Ellis actually did that once mm-hmm. with um, Colleen Duran. Uh, it, there was a, I think it was called Super Orbiter. No, no, no. So Orbiter was their graphic novel. It was called Super Something, right? Where it was a panel a day, and it was like literally told through like the same sized panel throughout, and mm-hmm. it was a web comic. So right, like, right, right. Web comics. There you go. Like. There's your segue to web comics. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So this is what I think is interesting about web comics, uh, which yeah. I also think does does can. Uh, you're talking about finality, I believe, right? Is the Colin Duran well? Is that the is that the thing, or is that the Poss- thing? They no, just, no, no. I that's think the it was thing called Super something. Yeah, yeah. It was called Super. Uh, I I don't even know if it's available online anymore. Oh, okay, it's down. Uh, it was not Super God for sure. Supernova. Um, no, no, I don't no, no. know. Let, let me Super see. Idol. Yes, Super Idol. Super yes. Idol. Yeah, yeah, Super Idol. That was it. I think it's available on Colleen's uh, website. Um, right. It's not. It's down. Cool. <laughs> it's been taken down. Yeah, um, but I, I read it ages ago. Yeah. But that, but that, so. that I think is the is like a key point for me is like comes down to format is that actually format yeah. uh, opens up innovation. Uh, in an interesting mm-hmm. way, because like you were talking about that uh, micrographica, if you change the way your thing is to a smaller page size, and in fact you've only got one image per page, that completely changes the way that you then think about how do I tell this story. Um, yeah, and even wide, I think and, and a, the widescreen um, comics does the same thing. Right. Yeah, I think um, so. Widescreen comics, I th- think, completely change the way that you look at the page. If if you're if you're smart enough, like you could just like sort of replicate uh, whatever, but like. 
that the the reading the the reading experience is very different like you can um like there's a book that i can't talk about but like <laughs> there the the way the page is constructed is a it's quite interesting like you can do a lot of circular panels and like because you don't have to worry about reading order too much because mm-hmm. if you start at the left then you have to go towards the right right um like the 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 compression of the vertical space actually gives you like a certain like a uh, horizontality that you can just use to create these bigger images mm-hmm. um uh which uh, um uh, frank miller also did in 300 quite a bit because you you see a lot of um images that themselves are spread out like they right. you know the like uh, armies or like a man sit you know you you have a shot at the from the top of a man uh who has his cloak spread out behind him so that spread kind of gets communicated very well on a hor- horizontal medium mm-hmm. so yeah you can do that stuff like a square i think square like we haven't explored squares very well in comics i think probably because i think the square itself is like a very the neutrality of the shape mm-hmm. uh will will actually impede reading a little i think <laughs> right right but then you could do interesting things with that yeah like there's there's no direction like there's no obvious direction to go into well this it makes me think of like building stories because if building stories is is anything oh yeah that was like yeah exactly yeah it's, it, it's an argument for what what the format does for the way that you interact with a comic you know you, build, building stories kind of goes from these like really thin long strips uh pamphlets to yeah. like a massive fold out <laughs> like newspaper size uh you know broadsheet set size thing but in each of those instances you know it's chris ware so he's kind of doing his chris ware thing uh, just within those right. different boundaries, but it also shows a difference in, in in size and scale and things like that. But it also got me thinking yeah. of stuff like um, uh, Promethea, right? Uh, which had its yeah. final issue. You could kind of like rebuild it uh, yeah. and reinteract with the way that you. Because I think you had to like pull the pages out and remake it. Um, yeah, so there were two posters that you could make mm-hmm. uh, front and back, and also like you could read it as pages, like pages one, two, thirty whatever mm-hmm. 36 i think um and you could remake it and that was also a reading order so it right. was like a modular thing right and that's which, although a lot of the stuff in the comic was like sort of you could kind of read it in any, any order yeah and but even even in that i mean that case is that's an example of them of you know doing that in a in the in the the standard pamphlet dimensions of us comics but right i think it's, see but that's a, that's something you could only do physically that's not something you could yeah do that's true yeah exactly bring. right yeah that's true yeah. but that I mean, it comes it, it comes back to that sort of like Format size and a pushing of a a a kind of boundary, and you made the point of like it being like a mainstream thing, which is obviously true. Is that you're trying to sell comics to the most amount of people as possible, and so you don't want to alienate people by just being weird in your <laughs> twenty two pages <laughs> for the sake of seeing how weird you can be. But I think when you look at what sells, um, you know, outside of that, what like in terms of like what's a big selling graphic novel is that. A lot of this stuff is actually things that are slightly more experimental in the in their in their concept of the medium. I think Chris Ware, uh, for right. who, if you like him or don't like him, I think it's hard to argue against the fact that he's trying to he pushes what he can get away with in terms of temporal yeah. temporal uh, it, like inter, interaction between images and things like that. Um, and even if you look at someone like I actually that, remember once that um, um, I I got McSweeney's comic special issue. Mm-hmm. And the dust jacket actually folds out into a comic. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that was that. Was, I think that was the one really cool thing about that. <laughs> well, that's it's like it's like uh, I'm thinking of like Ray Fawkes as well. So Ray Fawkes would kind of has done like um, I think Dark Horse and Image Books, right? Um, hmm. 
within the same pamphlet model as well. And then also outside of that, which I, they're ex, which have been sort of experimental, I think, Intersect, an image book. Oh, yeah, the was, Super Spy books, right? was kind of experimental. But I haven't read that. No, no, no. Like there, there are multiple Super Spy books. Oh. And some of those are like kind of told in like very odd formats, I think. Right. Like I've only mostly heard about them. I haven't read Well, Intersect was, like the, was a big one from, yeah. big like image book that I read of his. That was that. Right. I think it was Image. Uh, that was really good. Well, um, yeah. But then also like looking at stuff like, uh, he just had his new. I remember the- Stephen, Stephen T. Siegel did a book called Vertical, I think, which was like read vertically. It folded out vertically as well. That's cool. So you essentially had like, it was, uh, I think around, two inches thick and um, uh, like uh, I don't know if it was as tall as a regular comic but it's kind of tall and it folded out vertically so you had like a massive like vertical panel going up and down right that's it so it was like a line web tour in print form (laughs) (laughs) that's cool well just like that's the kind of stuff obviously if uh, if you've seen strip panel naked or read a panel by panel that's the sort of stuff that I find particularly interesting um, and I think right. it, like, it comes back to that. See, like, I'm, not, what, I'm not thinking about. I'm not thinking about what what it would be like. Let's say you have a two by um, six inch uh, uh, page size, mm-hmm. and you fold it out uh, horizontally like a regular comic, mm-hmm. but you essentially use the whole thing. So right. that would be like a four by six double spread. That could be interesting. Yeah. That because that's nearly comic size, but you read it a single page at a time rather than two pages at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like reading a comic on an iPad, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be more fun than that. But you see, so this, I think you could you could play with it. This this was I suppose this was my whole uh, my whole my whole idea with this topic was to to think about like <laughs> it, why why can't we or why don't we have more opportunity? I mean, we we know why because everyone's on a super tight deadline. No one wants to play around with something that's insane. Um, but yeah, but this is what Kickstarter is for. Like, you know, doing a zine that like, uh, okay, here's a 30 page thing that we put together in a month because we thought it would be fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And nobody from two years later is going to remember this <laughs> apart from the people who bought it. Right. But that, you but know, it, and but they're going to be telling like 10 years later, you know, this the little thing that happened once. But it begs the question then, because I think you look at D, what DC is doing, uh, which I, I'm a massive fan of what DC has been doing the past sort of year or two. Where they've they've right. kind of like expanded their their, their library, their, you know, their approach to making comics, and they've got these these black label books, which are um, much bigger format, and they're not just right. As as far as I have remember when I tried to figure this out, they're not just it's not just like a scaled up regular comic. It's that they're a little bit squarer, not not all the way square, but they're like a little bit. Um, I have wider. hang on, hang on. I have I have the DC uh, black label template with me. I can check. Okay. This. So they sh- they in in when I tried to figure this out before they're they're a little bit wider, uh, in, than like a regular yeah. So they're eight point five by ten point eight seven five. So they're right. yes, you're right. Um, they're slightly taller and they're far much wider. They're like two inches wider. Mm-hmm. And in that and in that, so th- I think some some of the black label stuff I've read has ver- has felt a bit like we're just going to draw a comic book in the exact same way that we would normally draw a comic book uh, but I, I, I on, a bigger, are, on a bigger canvas. How, but there yeah, was, I think... No, go on, go on. Uh, those are, I think, uh, closer to 2080 uh, proportions, right, I think. Right, 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 but they, Like but, the, the proportions, yeah. Well, 2000, yeah, I mean, 2080 is also a good example of something that's slightly wider in format that's quite interesting. Yeah. We, and the thing is, I always have I always have trouble reading it. Uh, what, 2080? Like, I have a... Yeah, like uh, not 2008 itself. I've never read that, but I've read re- <laughs> like I've no, I've read stories from it. Like I've right, read right, like right. Uh, stickle stickleback and like a bunch of collections, mm-hmm. and I don't know that 
that ho- that slightly more horizontal format feels slightly wrong to me because I'm so used <laughs> to like a regular comic size. Right. That vertic that verticality. I do. I do slightly off. Well, I do think sometimes that, like I was saying with the black label stuff, I do think sometimes you see in those in those stories and books that it's not that re- there's nothing really extra being being sort of provided by the dimensions beyond just like a little bit more space, um, which is which yeah. is which is fine, but. Also, in in terms of like the black label stuff, I don't think it was until I saw um, uh, Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman Dead Earth, that the format seemed uh, like it had opportunity to be something different. Because I think that's right. a book where Daniel Warren Johnson uses that to a few advantages beyond even you know some, in some cases it's it's literally just a case of like he can clearly fit a bunch more panels on this page with clarity <laughs> uh, and dialogue than he could on uh, extremity or, or murder falcon or whatever but also there's I'm, like i'm there's, sure he's very happy about that yeah i'm sure yeah and but there's also ca- like cases like a kind of a bit like the 300 thing where suddenly you realize like the spreads uh, a double page spread in that format is is incredible so much more dramatic than it is in yeah. uh, in kind of like a standard US pamphlet, um, right? And you yeah. don't lose anything in the way it's scaled up for a, you know like a hardcover release or whatever, where hmm. the, the page is just scaled. Um, you, you're not yeah. you're not you're not losing. Uh, it's not just an image being blown up. It's actually an image that uh, where you you can see into the horizon. Right? It feels much more immersive in that in that case because it's being designed yeah. for that size overall. And it's just something as I, simple I as a page format the... changes that. Yeah, I, I suppose that's what um, Warrenalis and people were thinking when they kind of tried to create the widescreen format as well. Mm-hmm. Like they were trying to kind of do what you just described, <laughs> just like in smaller dimensions. Yeah. Uh, like there is a reason that it feels a little grander, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like more epic. I'm trying to figure out how we solve this, right? I think we, I think we agree in the principle that there is a that the pamphlet limits what you can do to an extent with it. Well, the solution already exists, my friend. Change the size. Uh, it's web comics. <laughs> right. No, it's web comics. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. You, you do whatever the fuck size you want. Yeah. Well, this is, and this is the beautiful. This is the thing. So I, I've been editing some pieces about uh, web comics, uh, and one of the right. one of the ones was a it's a it's a sprite comic um, called Kid Rad, which is like from two thousand and two, two thousand and four. What does that mean, sprite comic? Sprite comic is like um, when there was like a, a movement, I guess you would call it. Um, in the early 2000s, late 1990s, I guess it would have been early 2000s was was when it became big online, where people would kind of rip sprites from uh, video games. Oh, games and stuff. Yeah, right. like like 2D, yeah. you know, like old 2D games, like old Zelda games or whatever. They would rip the sprites and they would turn them into, they would use them to make comics. So you didn't need to know how to draw. Oh, you could shit. Just, you could I, just I, take exactly. I, I wish I'd known about that when I was starting out. Like, I would have made a lot more comics. Right. Well, so Kid Rad was one where uh, the creator did his own sprite. So they, they weren't based on the game, but they were the, the the content of the story was about characters that like got out of a dead game and then like right. arrived on the internet, which was ba- like the the, the Wreck It Ralph sequel. Basically, oh, that sounds they, cool. They did that like like I don't know twenty years before. Um, <laughs> and, and so in that is really interesting because it's a panel of page. It's kind of like XKCD or whatever style where it's like it takes a single image and just kind of goes through it. Um, and you just uh, press that's, next. That's not XKCD. XKCD is. Oh no, it's no. I'm, XKCD did a sing, did a single comic that like uh, won an award. Um, that was like set in the post apocalyptic future, and it was a single panel every time. And then each day you would go back to the exact same page, oh, right. and the, the previous that. panel yeah, would, yeah, yeah. would disappear, and it, you'd only have that one. Um, which is I did, I why I'm thinking about of it because yeah. I've been writing about it, but the, <laughs> or <laughs> editing about it. Um, but the, yeah, so this so this kid Rad would 
had a single image uh, and you, you just press you know previous next or whatever to go through the cycle of the story um but it would right. also I have love those actually but it was also have, it would have animation in it as well so it would right. it would have like there's like a sequence where uh the bad guy is like a bad guy sprite and he like joins a bunch of other bad guy sprites in a big sprite sheet and the sprite sheet is just hmm. constantly moving and so you've got this weird window of like infinite time it has no text on it. It's just like a close-up of these three or four sprites just like walking backwards and forwards endlessly and endlessly and endlessly. And right. which which got me so excited about this earlier because it's like what you're seeing is you're seeing a window of time as we have always been presented it in, in kind of like pamphlet print comics. The panel represents hmm. a particular unit of time that can be as expansive or as um, you know minimal as it wants. Um, but it usually contains a moment of time, whereas that contained an infinite looping. Infinite, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could just stay in that moment forever. Yeah. Right, and it would just never end. Or you could flick up, you could go past it in like half a second, and uh, I guess that moment <laughs> that moment is over. Um, right. But yeah, it's like that, there is that. There's the infinite canvas option that Scott McCloud wrote about. There's uh, like the line webtoons thing that you were talking about earlier with what you can still, I guess, sort of do in print, but it, you don't quite get the, the reveal. Yeah, like, look, you get the thing, reveal in, I... in line webtoons, which is quite interesting. Yeah, but uh, also, like, one thing I love about uh, webcomics that print comics just can't do is um, that whole thing of uh, replacing an image with a slightly different image. Like, um, you know, Alan Moore has that tick where he'll uh, use slightly varied versions of a panel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, to kind of, like, imply, like, slow down the storytelling. Yeah. It always annoys me. Uh, I don't like it, but I think it works well in that particular format where the image is being replaced right. uh, by the next image, mm-hmm. by the next slightly different image. And that's something you can only do in webcomics, like effectively, I, I feel. Right. Um, you know, where the previous image stays or is slightly changed mm-hmm. and another image kind of comes on top of it. The, the spot, the difference kind of mentality is a bit more direct, isn't it, in that case? Right. And also, no, not just that. Uh, you could also, um, like the way, uh, let's say, the, let's say there's a punch. And then on top of that, you have a smaller panel arrive. Oh, right. And okay, the okay. spread, the, the punch, you know, that you had as a spread still stays in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got you. And you kind of have those things coming on top of that. Mm-hmm. That's those are, few, those are a few things where, again, you have a lingering moment. Like the previous moment stays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have like moments on top of that. It's almost like dealing um, cards, right? On top of each other. Yeah, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that stuff. And that's not something you can do in print comics at all. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. That's that's quite interesting. Yeah. So do you think then, let's as a way to kind of round... So we sort of agree that like pamphlet comics have a, a, a clear limitations and that actually yeah. graphic novels to an extent or longer, you know, longer form comics to an extent, but web comics, I suppose, is like where the future thing is going to be. Now, just as a way, I don't want to cause too much controversy and like create like a whole other topic. But what I I found quite interesting is the amount of web comics that have almost then gone to print for for some level of like, um, not legibility, but like reproduction. Yeah, yeah it's like like to to, to you know that because that seems to be where the the reality of authorship is or whatever is in is in print. Like, um. I, th- I think it's a monetization thing. I think uh, the audience is uh, there for the webcomic, mm-hmm. uh, but essentially a webcomic doesn't make you money by itself, right? right. Um, like if it's free to read. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the print collection is partly you could say that people do just want an artifact, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but partly I think you can say that, well, that's the one way you can own the webcomic. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And yeah. also that's the one way, not... 
it's not the one way, but it's a, a prominent way in which the webcomicer can actually earn money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So like it's sort of the substitute for donation, I would say. But yeah. then it complete. But then it also we get into that situation where you're limiting again <laughs> the, the kind of the, the, the that's true like if you're, if you're planning for the eventual webcomic oh sorry if you're planning for the event, eventual print collection that's going to be a problem like right. uh, uh there's this comic called menaja 3 i think mm-hmm. uh that i used to read um and the thing is that kind of has the limitation because it's going to be eventually printed right um this actually reminds me of um, Bill Watterson talking about uh, Sunday comics at some point of time, mm-hmm. uh, that Sunday comics were meant to be read as um, uh, like in four different formats, like the same Sunday comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so firstly, you you have to make the first line of the comic uh, essentially story redundant <laughs> because that can be removed for certain, like the, the certain uh, publications will just remove the first line. Yeah. Um, then you have to, so basically it has to be like, the whole thing has to work as a unit. Mm-hmm. Then the first line has to work by itself. The rest of it has to work by itself. Mm-hmm. And then some of some some publications will restack the panels. So certain panels have to be a certain size so that right. they can be removed from one row and put onto another row. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of working for like four different formats at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's what some webcomics are kind of doing where they're like, oh, we do the webcomic in this way and then we can restack Mm-hmm. Uh, these things or like maybe put two or three together to kind of do the print version right uh, yeah so I think I think people might be thinking in those lines as well but it's a limitation as as well but I, I guess it's sort of a self-imposed limitation yeah it, yeah I think it is but I think you're right in that some of that a lot of that a lot of that is to do with something kind of taking popularity and then how do we monetize this thing like how do we you know how do, how do we get this yeah, and, see, into hands of more and more people as well yeah, like XKCD, the guy just writes books now like, <laughs> right, um, right. To, on his money because, uh, well, he he he's he know he knows stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like he just writes, he he has an audience and he writes books that would fit that audience. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of doing extra work to get money out of his comic. Uh, but I'm sure, like the ultra popularity of the comic helps in selling the books. Well, I think I think the way to so the way we can solve this, the way we can solve. Uh, limitations of the medium, <laughs> yeah, right? I think. We can argue that there, like for me personally, I would like to see more people get the opportunity to kind of try slightly more experimental comics within the mainstream direct market that is pushed by like a like a like a bigger publisher. Um, yeah, and that would be nice. But I also think that like if you're looking for that, that actually like longer form comics have a lot of that. Uh, they have the space to be a bit more like that. Um, even mm. comics that even comics that you wouldn't necessarily attribute as being necessarily like experimental, say, I think, for example, like Rainer's comics from pure length um, yeah. have op- have m- many opportunities that uh, pamphlet comics don't have. Even though arguably she's kind of talking to a similar audience as to what a lot of pamphlet comics might be talking to as well, and that kind of like teen, teen, slightly younger teen audience, right? Um, yeah. But it's, you know, I'm over. I'm over uh, simplifying that a little bit. But there is there is space even in those comics for Rainer to kind of be slightly more ex- er, like experimental. Um, but then, if you're looking for something even more than that, then I guess you know web comics and uh, with, an- yeah. uh, with animation and uh, infinite canvases and different ways of interacting and reading uh, comics are, are probably the way to go. Web comics, I think yeah. you'll see. I think we'll probably start to see a lot more of that. I think. You could probably argue that there's some element of webcomics, you know, that is dripping down into into stuff like um, 
DC's like young, an- uh, not young animals, sorry, DC's like uh, young adult books. Um, mm. Because you and you and stuff like what um, uh, John Allison did, bringing like his kind of webcomic sense of like approach to giant days and things like that. You're then finding that young adult market has burgeoned thanks to like the work that a lot of webcomics did in the early 2000s in establishing that there right. wasn't an audience for those kinds of stories. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're kind of seeing Booms, it in terms uh, like of a content. lot of those publications are kind of geared towards that market. I yeah, and you're, it's, it's, it's interesting because you're seeing it in content, I think. Like, absolutely, you're seeing in content, like, queer stories and things that were prominent in the early 2000s on the internet that would not have had, a, a, like, a space in traditional publishing because I, I guess they yeah. didn't believe it, there was an audience for it or whatever the argument was. <laughs> um, you know, so you're seeing webcomics have a direct impact in terms of the stories that we're telling. So I hopefully I think you'll start to see webcomics have more of an impact as it filters down in terms of, like, the approach to the medium. I think that'd be quite interesting. Yeah, I, I think um, I think uh, uh, webcomics are going to be the place where we're going to find the most amount of experimentation at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. because because of the infinite canvas because like you can you can you don't have to be restricted to a page in the first place yeah yeah um and also because it's so like i mean comics are really easy to do like you can make a comic <laughs> on pen and paper but like a web comic is so easy to publish as well mm-hmm. like you just you just have you just need a address or you can just do it on imgur like uh, most memes that you read these days are technically speaking web comics yeah so like that ease of um like e- that ease of production mm-hmm. is going to make uh, web and and also like you're not investing anything in the publication right so that means that you can just like draw some shit over an afternoon and put it online <laughs> right uh, you don't have to think about like how it's going to be received you don't have to think about the money you're going to get from it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think that's going to be the most interesting space yeah always i agree kind of yeah, but like uh, uh, related to what you were talking about, print dimensions. Um, I remember this guy, um, Eddie, Eddie Campbell. Yeah, he uh, he his Alec books. He would try to publish all of them in a slightly different format. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Even though all of them were like nine panel grid books, because he was just like, I don't, I didn't like that uniformity. I, I don't like the idea that all my books are the same exact size. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously, that was a problem when he tried to collect them into the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so, in, like the solution for this. Give me then, a segue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try. <laughs> the the solution for this um, is uh, to. Uh, I on, honestly, the solution to me is, is is to look at what like DC have done and just hope that we get a bit more of that, and hope that like other publishers are willing to try investing in a different format. Um, because I, honestly, I just want to see right, comic yeah. ha- have different sizes more and more. Like I, I, we shouldn't be beholden to the exact same size for every single publication. So I'd like to see more yeah, monthly comics those, yeah. have a slightly more, at, at the very least, have a slightly more varied approach to uh, page dimensions. Um, yeah, which is. Uh, so each comic should have the page dimension that is required to tell the story in the way as possible, just as uh, every comic should have the correct font that tells the story in the correct way possible. Uh, that is that, that is terrible. I think it was your worst yet. No, I think that may, works. I could, uh, argue me down. Tell me comics shouldn't have the correct font to tell the story in the best way possible. I dare you. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I solicited some questions for my newsletter mm-hmm. and I got some fairly like um, questions about stuff that we don't necessarily think about much. Okay. Um, so that got me thinking, uh, like I'm going to answer those in my newsletter, but that got me thinking about how um, 
like i was when i was starting out i was asked by somebody in an interview how do you choose a comic book font right um and at the time i was just like you know it's instinct and all of those things but let's put that aside and let's start thinking about as a letterer when you're looking to buy uh fonts for your own use right what do you look for considering that we just had um, a sale uh, <laughs> for both uh, comic craft and for blambot yeah yeah uh, and like i bought a bunch of fonts in one of them and not the other like uh, which one did I you actually, buy a bunch of fonts in Are you uh, this time actually i went for the blambot one <laughs> okay, because right. the comic craft one i'm like you know i think i have most i i, I think uh, I, I mean, again, this is no shade on anybody, but I think they're starting to repeat themselves a bit. Right, okay. Like, the, the, some of the new fonts give me a very similar vibe to the old ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, I, I, I don't find myself like, okay, this is a font that's going to give me something that I don't have no, at yeah. all in right. my fonts, yeah. in the fonts that I have. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, what am I looking for? The thing for me, so it's changed over time. Right? Let's, let's, okay, let's, let's first divide it into three categories. There are obviously okay. dialogue fonts, yep. there's design fonts, and there's sound effect fonts. Yeah. So let's take it maybe one by one. Okay, so for, di- I mean, for dialogue fonts, originally, I think, um, I was looking for stuff that had the most versatility, right? So this was just stuff where I was like, I only had a handful of fonts when I first started lettering. Right. And I was, look- I was looking for the stuff like, what, what can cross... What can give me the most bang for book, essentially, right? Which is the, the which is the best investment? Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember. I had one paid font for a whole year when I started. <laughs> out. Like uh, I was using Blambot's free fonts, but other right. than that, I had one paid font, which I was like, okay, th- I need this one. <laughs> but as time's gone on, what I what I'm looking for is like, is you're right, is I'm looking for stuff that sits slightly outside of what I already have. And for me, at the moment, most of what that is 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 very uh, more obviously kind of like hand hand drawn style fonts um yeah especially in the dialogue is uh, so I'm, I'm looking for stuff like like you know like blambot's artist alley it's stuff that i'm not going to use very often but i like to have because i it's the sort of stuff i want to i want to have more of i want to try and use more of i want to as much as possible i'm moving a bit away from being too you know from from anything too kind of like uh I don't know, mild manady or, or might yes. makes right or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's just like I'm, I save them for for the free kind of book, but for everything else, I'm, I'm right. I want to try and push a bit more uh, what I can get away with in the fonts and in the balloons as well. Really. Right, of course, of course. Yeah, 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 like that. That's funny though. Like Artist Alley is a font that I bought very early on. I don't think I've ever used it in anything. I I, I, <laughs> I think I've used it on one book. I think I've sent samples I with think. it to people, but they did not choose that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but right. but yeah, like I think you're you're looking for something that's a little more, I guess, funky and like, uh, uh, because I I suppose we do have more or less enough uh, clean fonts that we we would need. Like they're, I I guess they're kind of interchangeable in their usage at least. Yeah, I've got I've got like enough. Like I mean, because now I've got thanks to sales and stuff, I've got more fonts than is necessary for any one person to own yeah i think um, yeah hang on i'm gonna count <laughs> i'm gonna count the number of fonts that i've bought from only from like blambot and Comicraft. okay There's... i recently redid my my uh my like font template sheet thing right where because i like to see, i like to have like everything where i can see it all yeah. in one go yeah uh, and, I, and it's just it's just, it's I've, i have a i bought i have 183 <laughs> <laughs> right, between right. Blambot and Comicraft. That's not including uh, the stuff that I got from other people. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a lot of it's fonts too many. Here. Yeah. 
<laughs> but there's stuff. So there's stuff. You've got like your stand. You've, you've got like bo- your bog standard ones, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I'd, I'd like. Meanwhile, maybe I guess mild mannered. I probably even put something like uh, re- ready for anything. I guess obviously. Like, yeah, that's the, a that's a square in the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. So and and then beyond that, you've got like the ones that are like in that realm, but on the edge of that realm. Like I, I would put like heavy metal is kind of like. It's like fair. the mainstream fun on the edge of mainstream. Right, right, right. That's that's fair. Um, there's a couple that I like which I don't get to use, like uh, CC's Moritat, for example. Moritat, uh, how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, that one's like I really like it. I think it's a fairly like good mainstream font, but I have been asked a couple of times that uh, to change that because it was a little weird. Um, oh really? Yeah. I love that. It's nice. It's, it's a pretty yeah. good font. Yeah. So like stuff like that maybe uh, is a little towards the edges. I've been using Brian Boland's font like a couple of times recently in very odd little <clears> projects, <throat> like where it doesn't really <laughs> go with much, but like it goes when it goes well with something, it like really goes well. I, I use it with especially with squared off balloons for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but okay. Like so. Okay. Let's talk about like. Um, uh, th- Did that answer well enough? Uh, I, th- I think dialogue? so. Like, I think my my question though was slightly different. Like, now um, I am trying to become a type designer, right? I I, I have already mm-hmm. designed like four or five different fonts, and I'm right. hoping to do like maybe maybe four or five more this year. Uh, like, I've I promised mm-hmm. myself six, but like once I do like maybe four, I might open up a shop, online shop. Now, right. given that we already have people like Comic Raft and Blambot, I'm trying to kind of figure out how uh, one can stand out. Um, I think one of those things is uh, something that Blambot is doing these days, which is uh, to do like a font with six variations of the letters. Uh, You know, and well, Uh it's a lot more difficult than you'd think. I mean, I think I I would would have already (laughs) thought that it was quite difficult, but it is very difficult. Um, Yeah. And those are like really work heavy. I mean, I I've done one variation of one of those, and it took me like two weeks. Um, <laughs> right. right. So, like, okay, what do you think about those? Like, what do you think about these fonts that are trying to kind of uh, fool people into thinking that uh, they're kind of hand done? I don't think that they don't work. But they, what they do, they, as in, like, I don't think anyone looks at looks at like fonties or whatever, or um, I don't know what a more recent ready for anything or whatever, and says like that has been hand. Uh, hand yeah, they do look we... like fonts, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they look like fonts. But what I think they help is they don't call attention to themselves as much as uh, other fonts do. Right. Like I've got a couple of fonts which I which I which I really really like, but I never use because there there is literally only one instance of each uh, mm-hmm. of each letter, right? Um, yeah, and. And so that the moment you have like uh, when you see it in a dialogue balloon and you maybe have like an E on one line and an E just sort of almost directly below it, that to me they always stand out to me. Right. Like I, the the the, the replication of those two like characters just seems really. It might not be obvious to anyone else, <laughs> but like when I look at it, like all I can see is like that E is exactly the same as the E. That's like directly. I know below precisely. It. So I'll try and do stuff to shove it and and or whatever. So it's at least it's not like right next to that 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 E from above, but. It's still like it would be nice if it was just a slight variation because if you try that same thing with a font like ready for anything that changes it, it does look. It just kind of doesn't stand out. Yeah, it just sort of blends. Correct. The, 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 it the, it you know, makes the things more readable. I think. Um, right. I have this problem with kerning actually. Like, um, let's say I have a font where the Y and the O are kerned slightly wrong in U. Like, let's let's say <laughs> every yeah. time that kerning repeats, I just start like you know my my brain starts like. <laughs> 
like I, I can't stop noticing that. <laughs> this is actually one of my yeah. favorite fonts has a little flaw where the, the J is not curled properly with the O. Uh, right. and it just infuriates me every time I see it. So like I, I have to, I have to go into, like, I, I ended up actually tweaking the font itself to kind of just go recurn it a little to kind of get it properly, mm-hmm. uh, there. Well, this, th- this is the difference also in it, right. In terms of your market is that y- there's a market of people who just want like a font because they're doing their own comic and they just want like a good looking font. Yeah. And there's the, there's a market of letterers <laughs> and, and, and the letterer is going to have a different set of set of like needs than a regular person is like a normal person can get can get away with uh, uh like a you know a box standard font with just one or two interpretations of each letter um, yeah i, th- I think it's not, I've, you're not like, gonna it's not gonna matter to yeah you. there are these but when you're staring at them all day every day yes then you start to you start to see stuff that you don't want yeah there are these there are these uh writers who letter their own stuff and they tend to stick to one font i mean they're perfectly competent but they tend to stick to one font and mm-hmm. that that person can do that because that person has to letter it like letter one comic a month or maybe two yeah. and they can sort of like just stick with one of those throughout their work but mm-hmm. yeah like people like you and i when we start sticking to one font it would just like make us go crazy i think yeah but it, yeah yeah so i mean for, for me so what i would like i look i would want a, a font that so this, I think it's the two types in terms of dialogue. I have one something that's versatile, or I want something really specific. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I, for me, that's what I find. Like I'm, I'm either looking for a thing where I know I, I either have the the book in front of me where I'm like I'm looking for, the, you know, the art style is so specific. I want a font that just really like sits to, like specifically with that font with that art style, or I want something that's that's kind of generic enough that I could use in a yeah. couple of different books. I actually had this, like I literally stand, sent in a style sheet today. One of, uh, so I, I gave them five options and one of them was literally hand-lettered and I told them that this is going to be a font. This is not a font yet. <laughs> uh, if you can wait till like March end, I can letter the comic in that. I'm not, I'm not going to actually hand-letter your comic. Uh, I'm just showing you this as an option because I think this would look good on your comic. Yeah, that's, well, that's crazy, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so then then you have <laughs> then you have design fonts, and I think design fonts are like sort of two two different kinds of design fonts. Um, one is basically the sort of comic craft way of going through old comics and then replicating stuff. Like um, you know, right. they're fantastic for style, like artisimac kind of stuff. Uh, you know that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you take a typeface from the real world, as in like somewhere else, and then sort of comicsify it. So that it would fit, right. fit into a comic. Um, yeah. So there, like, what do you think about what do you think about when you're buying those? Because I I don't actually personally I don't actually go for most of the classic ones. Like I don't go for the stuff that looks like an artisimic uh, piece or whatever, um, unless I'm like legitimately trying to replicate a retro style, which I did towards the beginning, but I don't do that anymore. Um, yeah, I, for me, I actually because I, I I don't think I tend to use a ton of like specifically comic based uh, like title design stuff. I like to try and find stuff that isn't specifically comicy because for me, like that's the um, I was I, when I did I did like when I did that strip panel naked panel at Thought Bubble. Uh, I think it was then I was talking like I had Dave and Mariko Tamaki talked about narrative captions right. as like more prosaic than. Uh, dialogue, right? When their dialogue captions are trying to emulate dialogue, their narrative captions are trying to emulate prose. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of have a similar feeling with like how I consider narrative, ca- like uh, not narrative captions, but how I consider like location caps or cards or whatever. Right. Is that 
for the most part, I like I try and pick something that I find from a, a non comic book font website because I think like in the titles I can have a bit more. Uh, I can be a bit more like I don't know what the word would be typey, <laughs> a bit a bit less a bit a bit less comic yeah. right? That's that that's the the bit where I'm like, like I can more get away like with this thing not necessarily having to. Mm. Yeah, I don't. This thing doesn't have to look like it was it was done by hand. That's interesting because I generally tend to go away from those. I don't uh, like I it sometimes feels like it's not sitting properly. I will usually like roughen them a little or do something to them. That makes them feel yeah, I like more to put, comic-y. I'll put one of my stroke, like my brush strokes on them or something. All right, like that. okay, okay. Um, that make that makes a bit more. But I, but like I, for example, I'm way more likely to use comic crafts extra extra than I am to use Times New Roman, because it, extra right, extra yeah, is yeah, yeah. basically Times New Roman just slightly comicsy. <laughs> right, right, right. I suppose I do. I do that. I do that with you know like machine voices and things like yeah. that. Um, oh yeah, you couldn't use an actual but, mechanical font on those. Rather, yeah, you have to have a. But, but for titles, I. Titles, I don't mind going a book like outside of that. I, I think the problem I have with sometimes with comic with comic font uh, comic fonts that are designed for titles is that they have that problem of sometimes being too specific. Yeah, is that sometimes I, there's certain ones that are just they're just like too. I don't know where I'd use that until un, unless the very exact right project came along. Whereas there are some stuff like Astounder to me is like any kind of oh I love fun that kind one. of yeah. bounty comic I could use you could use Astounder in there, um, but then there is other ones like you know like uh, the Dwarven one from Blambot which I can't remember the Dwarven Dragon Axe, axe. I, like oh that. I've actually used that in like three or four different things. Okay, but to, to me it's just it's so like that's only like some kind of like either like yeah it, ha- it has to be some kind of fantasy yeah medieval kind I, of thing yeah, yeah yeah I think I used it I used it on like one thing and the same with like I think Dreamland I can get away with because I can use Dreamland on like fantasy or also Dreamland is a good I, dialogue font as well like I, I used I've used it in two different uh, things for dialogue. I think I use Dreamland on like I've used Dreamland in like Red Sonia for uh, letters and things like that, mm. and I've used it as titles and something else. Yeah. So it's like, but there's, but there's, uh, to some to me like Mutant Academy and things like that. Just that just feel like so specific to a project, right? That it feels like, it feels like one that has been made for a project for someone and then it's been released. And uh, that's entirely likely. It, 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 yeah, and they feel and it kind of feels too a little bit too tailored. Mm. Um, so yeah, I tend to I tend I have like a bunch, but I tend not to use that many. The one that, my favorite ones are the ones that are a bit more generic and that like Astounder, Mega City, um, the the blank is it Watchmacallit? Was that was that the yeah Watchmacallit comic yeah. craft one from like yeah? So like those ones like I, they tend to be my they tend to be the ones that I would use more often. Yeah, um, Secret Origins and stuff I use a bunch. Yeah, no that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, I have a I have a strange relationship with like um, uh, handwriting fonts, um, right? Because I think Chewed Pen, like before that came along, I did not actually like any of them. Almost Chewed Pen's solid. Yeah, Chewed Pen is really, really <laughs> good. Chewed for people that have already tuned out of this conversation to tune you back in. <laughs> chewed, chewed, if you've ever seen uh, a non a non. Uh, calligraphic or joined up handwriting font in the comic book it's probably true yeah or, or dear diary or, or the pc version of it yeah dear, or dear diary yeah, which is a very very similar yeah thing. so i'm actually dear diary i've seen it in so many places that one of the fonts that i'm going to be creating this year is sort of a replacement for it like it, it's <laughs> like okay this does the exact same function but doesn't look like that font that you've used hundreds of hundreds of times because i hate because the thing is it's like whenever like you know like a diary entry or something comes up in a script and i'm like like, uh, do I need to? I need. I just don't want to keep using these same. Yeah. Because there, there is a, 
that's the one bit of, of, of font where like it's so limited in terms of what I would consider a genuinely legible font is so <laughs> so few of and especially if you're doing something a bit more old timey where you want it to be like kind of joined up. Right. Oh man, out oh, these savage shows. It was a nightmare. Like that 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 thing was a nightmare. Like every font that I had, like the 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 fucking capitals were like massive. So you couldn't actually use them, like <laughs> yeah. use it in a comic. So I actually had to get go like I had to go entirely period inappropriate and anachronistic on that book because there was no way to use like actually period appropriate fonts on that. What did you, what did you use? Uh, so I used something called Nouvelle Vague, which obviously like like from the name itself, it's like a 60s and forward uh, <laughs> right. font. I used one of those. I used Dear Diary on one where like uh, somebody's a working class uh, man. So I assumed that he would not do joined up writing, which is also inaccurate, like period inaccurate, but it just like gives the right impression, I think. Um, right. I used one. Actually, here, here's an actual mistake in that book. So right. uh, the final caption in issue one is written by Prince Vikram. And for that, I actually ended up using a more or less period accurate font because I was promised that that, that caption would only appear once in that book. <laughs> so I could use something with like bigger captions and capitals and stuff. And then in issue four or five, he actually has a bunch more letters. Mm -hmm. So I chose a different font for that. And then I completely intended to go back in during the trade paperback, trade paperback production and change the original one. Yeah. And that just didn't happen. So you have like the same character <laughs> with two different fonts. One is like period appropriate, and the other is actually readable. <laughs> well, like, oh, I'm, that, like, like I'm, for I that think book, for that book, I actually had to create a font because um, the Bishan captions, like the the uh, the main character, his uh, letter captions, they, like I couldn't use an actual unsale font. Um, Right. Because that would look to medieval Europe. So I essentially created an Indian version of an unseal font. So I basically kind of right. wrote it from scratch. Um, and nice. so that font is still an unfinished font. It only has like a set of letters and all the characters that I would need for Bishan, but nothing else. It doesn't have any numbers. <laughs> it doesn't have capitals. No. It doesn't have anything else. I think for, for Black Stars Above, I used, uh, I used Double Life, which for me is about... I, it's not at all probably appropriate double life in terms of like a period I, I think i but double oh, life i think is, i bought that like a couple of days ago i bought that on this this sale yeah yeah double life is about for me it's like the very edge of readability right. like i think you probably i think it's probably asking a bit um but then for that comic black stars above kind of asks that anyway the way it's paced and the way it's done so i thought like that kind of sits right yeah but there was a there was a bit right at the start uh, where there's another, you see another diary entry from a from a uh, a tracker, um, and I was just like, what else can I do that's like joined up but still legible? And I went through a bunch, and I just couldn't find something that I went away from comics fonts. I was like, I need to find something, um, and the the best one I found in the end uh, was uh, Giant Size Spectacular, oh, which is right. the, yeah, it's a the, the BB font, yeah. one, a Blambot font, I think, um, and it's and it and it, it has like four variations, and one of them is is like joined Slightly up, and script, it's not yeah. at all. It's it's not at all like it feels quite comicy, but it's used in, it's used so so uh, limited in that in that or at least it was for like the first few issues. It was used so limited that I was like, I can get away with this. Um, and now I think there's enough of it in the book that you kind of accept it. But that that if you could make a career out of just making uh, script, uh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, here's the funny thing: I, you you would be rich. Yeah, hopefully, I, I was actually going to bring that up because. Um, 
comic scripts for uh, comics fonts that are like script fonts are actually woefully behind uh, any other script fonts that you'll see because mm-hmm. most of those script fonts will have like tons of fucking auto ligatures uh, right. to make it all look like it's com- actually completely joined up um yeah. but comic book uh, script font still like sometimes they'll have tails uh, or like you know um um I- initials or um uh, end swashes that kind of like stick mm-hmm. into the other letter or like just like not quite uh they, they're not quite uh, right there yeah, yeah yeah and like you'd need to like put in a lot of work onto into that like you'd need to like work on up for a month and a half on that font and just like <laughs> do all the auto ligatures that you would need uh yeah. but which i'm guessing like i don't think there's um well maybe maybe i'll do one and see if there's money in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's that, that they're the big yeah they're the big ones for me like that's the ones i always have i always have trouble with is uh, yeah i do have like three or four ideas for script fonts that i was thinking of only doing like one variation like not doing like italics bolds and stuff but like just packing mm-hmm. that one variation with all the auto ligatures and stuff that i could or like you know doing like six different variations of those letters and things like that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just make it the perfect one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, well, I tried to do one perfect font, and I had to give it up in the end because uh, I, I realized that the endeavor was gonna be just way too big. Uh, <laughs> it was supposed to be like my Mobius tribute font called Ghislaine, um, which right. I'm still gonna do. I'm I'm doing. I'm working on version two point of that right now. But that one's gonna use a lot more contextual alternates rather than auto ligatures. Uh, and mm. if we still had anybody listening, I think we just lost them. <laughs> well let's let's talk about sound effects then because that's so that was the other one yeah so uh, do you i have a fi- i have a fairly extensive it feels like sound effect library even though i don't tend to use a ton of sound because i'm trying you know getting we talked about this before i think on the show yeah trying to, and you're all you also do a lot of hand yeah i think i i um, do like uh um other than something that needs to look properly chunky or something that needs to look digital other than mm-hmm. those, I think I entirely hand letter the sound effects now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you also. I mostly, I mostly do. Yeah, there's a couple of books where I do. I use sound effect fonts because it feels like it matches the artwork a bit better. Right. Which is, I know, is a weird thing to say. <laughs> the the new Death Death to the Army of Darkness book that I'm doing with Dynamite. Right. I'm, I'm using all font sound effects in that because the uh, Jacob's like art style right. feels like it wants like a it wants like a. Uh, uh, what you would expect to see as sound effects in the comic book kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. If that makes sense. I mean, it made sense to me. For me, it's more about angles at this point. (laughs) That's enough. For for me, it's more about angles. Like, um, if I can draw a stroke, that's fine. But if the stroke needs to be kind of cut off at the end and stuff like that, um, Mm -hmm. doing that from scratch is a little bit of work. So there I'll right. probably use my, like my, my process for hand drawn sound effects is awful. It's a it's a really labored ah, yeah, <laughs> and like exactly. intensive intensive process. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So, so I, 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 I so I still like to have a good library of sound effects. Hmm. Yeah, but I, I think, I'm into brushy ones. I, I I like brushy sound effects. That's right. most like BL's a brush and stuff like that. BL's brush I use a horrible amount of <laughs> the time. Uh, I don't mind Rip Snort, which I think was a newer one. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't used it on a ton of stuff. I'm not the biggest fan of the S. Like, it's a very specific kind of yeah, S. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but I just got Vengeance is Mine recently in the um, in the Comicraft sale, which I haven't had a chance to use yet. Right. But I think that might be quite nice for, for quite... I think it needs to be quite a big sound effect, but it looks like that might be quite a nice... Correct, correct. Brushy I think I, I've actually gone for a lot of... Um, 
uh, shouty fonts uh, for sound effects mm-hmm. because um, I do draw some of those, but there are times like especially when the the body copy font is also one of mine. I'll just draw the shouty stuff. But if I'm using yeah. a font, then something like blam blambastic or uh, beat down will I actually be a blambastic. lot more. Yeah, blambastic. I think little bird would look very different with, without blambastic. Like it would be a very different right. because that was the one font that I could use that actually looked a bit like my own lettering. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so like the body copy font is one of my own. So it blambastic mm-hmm. was uh, one of those where I, I could just hand draw it or I could use blambastic and they would kind of look the same. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that was like, a, it was a, it was really helpful on that. Yeah, Blambastic's like, because when I first started, I think, uh, I think I remember when I was speaking, this was like, would have been tw- maybe 2016, maybe early 2017. Um, and I remember you recommending me Shout Out as like a really good shouting font at the time. Yeah. Um, and I used Shout Out a whole bunch. And then I, and then it got to that point where I, I was looking at books and all I saw was <laughs> anytime someone shouted, I saw Shout Out. And I was like, I need to get away from this. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I, I started getting a bit more of uh, Blambastic, but I'm worried about the moment when, I start seeing blambastic everywhere, and I'm like, no, I need a new, <laughs> I, need, I need the next shouting font. Yeah, I'm I'm working on one right now just for exactly that because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to like because I'm I'm I have a library of like uh, shouty stuff that I've owned, I I've uh, drawn, and I'm just trying mm-hmm. to see if there's a pattern in that that would lead to me to one font. Otherwise, I might actually right. do two maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's my prior, that's one of my priorities for the year. Like this, this is why I wanted to choose this topic. Like I'm I'm trying to like. <laughs> I have a bunch of ideas for fonts and I need to figure out which ones to do first. So the, the big thing, the big thing for me, like off the back of that really is, is, is it's trying, like, I don't want, I don't want my books as much as possible. Uh, you know, inevitably there's going to be crossover, but I don't want my stuff as much as possible to look like someone else's, right. which is more, which is, which is incredibly difficult when you're also, when everyone's using essentially the same bank of fonts, Yeah, right? most people are using, uh, uh, picking from the same bank See, that, of fonts. See, that's, so. that, that's the reason originally that I did not want to actually sell my fonts. I was going to do just like uh, a bunch and for myself. And then I realized mm-hmm. that that was a lot of labor to spend on something that um, <laughs> the client doesn't actually no give one a fuck notice. about. Yeah. <laughs> Like none of my clients have been like, oh, I would rather use your fonts. Like um, when they've chosen those fonts, that's been because they liked those fonts. They they didn't Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I think I I think I have one client who actually went for something because he was like, you know what? I want, I want my book to look like nothing on the market. This font is one that I don't see anywhere else. So I'll go for that. But everywhere else it's just like, they just happen to like my font more in for that particular (laughs) style. So in yeah. which well, it, probably, it probably is though sub, like subliminally because it's a thing that they haven't seen like a whole bunch. Could be, could be like Mighty Mouse, uh, for example. Mighty Mouse uh, people asked me to use on books that I wouldn't have expected to be like right. appropriate to those that font, but just because it yeah, looked yeah. different, it looked like not 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 like something that's seen before. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe selling these fonts is a pretty bad idea. I don't know. Like, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> well, that for me, that's like it's that thing of. Which is also why I don't like. There's certain fonts which I really like. I just don't. I don't tend to go straight to hmm. like like Nate's Picos Pro. I love that font. Yeah, it's it's it, it's like reminiscent of too many of like far too many specific books. I'm sure other people again. I'm sure people don't maybe probably won't have that reaction. But like, I don't want someone to look at it and immediately get like rem- reminiscent of a book that is not related to this thing. Um, yeah, which means it's sad because I love that. Font. I think it's a, that's such a cool font, and I just just don't really ever get to use it. I love the the O's. The O's in Picos Pro, it looks so beautiful. The the round ones, right? Like this is, 
Yeah, like, because yeah, for really, but it's, it's also got like a bit of a wet I, overlap. It's, it looks nice. Yeah, I love the R's on that one. I think. Uh, let me let mm. me just confirm. We the little kicky leg. Oh yeah, yeah the little kicky leg. leg. I, I tried to do that in one of my fonts and like uh, uh, like the the first client that I used them for, they were like, you know, that that R is not really reaching the ground. I'm like, okay, okay fine. <laughs> because uh, that ki- that kicky leg is how I draw my R's as well, naturally. Um, right. Yeah, my, my R's like used to be like before I started to actually hand letter, my R's used to end like ridiculously high up. Uh, R's and right, right. So like that yeah. kicky leg is like really attracts to me because that's like how I actually draw those. So. Your yeah your 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 that's just made me think your font uh, the one that you use on Little Bird yeah is sort of somewhere between like Picos Pro and there's a there's a Comicraft font that also reminds me of it uh, I think maybe Blah Blah uh, okay. it's like if if you if if Blah Blah and Picos Pro had a baby <laughs> wait let me check this that would be... I, I don't remember Blah what Blah Blah <laughs> looks like I think it's maybe the oh Blah Blah is I what I'm using if... on uh, Hellblazer right yeah. All right, okay. So the U on in your font is one that I don't think any of a, I can't find it in the. I love oh, so I much. love that! Like, I mean, I I was so happy when I made that U. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I think the U. Yeah, I don't. And I, the... I don't think it's anywhere else. Right. The S also, I'm pretty happy with. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm adding a third. Like uh, before, I start selling that font. I'm adding a third set of letters. Like right now, there are two set of, sets of letters. Uh, so I'm adding a third, and I'm gonna do a, this auto ligature thing where they'll cycle through the those, because I think that's a font that could use that. Because the do you know I also the two S's look completely was, different. I'm gonna add a, th- a third one that's gonna look entirely different from those two. I'm gonna get on as soon as you put them up for sale or before if you'll sell them to me. <laughs> Uh, the the other one is which I got recently in the sale, which uh, I really like, but I, I hate. I, we don't like the lowercase version of it. Um, is the astronauts in trouble? Which the I think the lowercase is used on trees. I'm not the biggest fan of the font, but the uppercase. No, no, no trees uh, doesn't use astronauts in trouble. What does what uses astronauts in trouble? Something uses it. Right, but I know which font you're talking about, though. I don't like the yeah, G on yeah. that. Like I don't like G's that touch and look like sixes. Oh, it does, doesn't it? You just ruined this font. <laughs> well, you could just you could just go <laughs> in and pick that. I haven't used it yet. You know, I think I might have to change that. It's the same with the Eurocomic, which yes, again is like exactly that. Like I love that font, but I can't stand that G. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is who's listening to this at this point. I I'm really enjoying this conversation, yeah, but I'm I, like, but I don't know who this no, is for is this anymore. This is a podcast. I don't know. This could just be a Skype. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right let's bring it let's bring it back to a question we can answer so what what, what give me a question that we can try and answer um okay, uh, just what, what for, the, is, for the one person who's made it this what, far what's the other kind of font that you would like to see that you haven't yet like because uh i'm, I'm trying to like i'm taking requests let's say uh okay i've got one so there's a font i used in a, a book uh that i did with aftershock um uh, that we only did one issue for for some reason, but I used Tough Talk, which I really really like. Tough Talk is um, the no, that's not no. I'm thinking of Tough as Nails. What's Tough Talk? Tough Talk's a Comicraft, uh, a Comicraft uh, one. So Tough Talk, I'll I'll describe it as you look for it. But Tough Talk is I only Got use it, it in bold Ooh, for like regular dialogue. One. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was too th- it's too thin in in regular, so I only used it as like. I use the sort of default of it as bold, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. then bold italics for, for the for yeah. The bold, the, italics, the bold italics looks like a the regular should, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I, so I really like that because again, that to me is like a really a bit like when I was talking about like Artist Alley or something. It's like a very specific yeah. um, style. But yeah, like, but, uh, but it's, when it you get like, that, it looks so nice against the right. Book. Correct, and you use it right, it looks a lot like hand lettering. Right. Yeah. 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 You can see the pen, right? So you can see that. I think that's some, yeah. You can see the pen strokes. Not what basically. I'm desperately lo- looking for, but I like. I do quite like the fonts where you can kind of see. Um, like Inkslinger, that Blambot's Inkslinger is kind yep. of like on the edge of that yep, sort of yep. thing. Uh, Artist Alley for sure, kind of like Evil Genius, that sort of thing. Yeah, like Milk that, 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 I really it's, like. It's the spot where the, um, the pen sticks long enough for the paper to blot it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Artist Alley has that really nicely on the ends of letters. Yeah. I'm doing one font with that uh, at some point. Okay. Yeah. Good. There you go. Yeah. I like this has just turned into a focus group, but only for me. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get money just just from you? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, as I said, for me, it's like I, I I wonder if the market for anything that's not too that's not idiosyncratic almost is is exists because you, you can get you can get mild mannered and Mike makes right and ready for anything and that's like three fonts that you could use on essentially any book that anyone. Yeah, but the problem with those is that like the reason you need more fonts like that is that at some point of time everybody agrees with you and they all use it. And then two <laughs> right, years later, words. you need yeah. more. Like Mild Manor, for example. I think I'm kind of over that one now. because Not because the font is any less good, but because so many books use that. Don't say that because I still letter a book in Mild Manor. Uh, I think I would as well, probably. <laughs> but like a might makes right at the, at the moment is the one where I feel like, okay, a lot of people use it, but it's so good that I don't yeah. care. Yeah, my, my make, might makes right for me is like the, that's like my sort of, uh, not house style l- like thing, but like if I'm doing like a superhero book or like a mainstreamy style yeah. thing, I kind of, I'll always, I th- I'll always throw that in as like an option because it's just like such a great font. Yeah, I think it's Nate's favorite out of his own fonts as well. He just yeah. got everything. It's got right character, but it's clean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got yeah, so and the pro version, like, bold really is nice. so much bigger than the standard, um, than the lines. The S is actually like, I actually accidentally drew an S like that on in one of my the fonts that I'm doing, and I had to kind of go and check to make sure that they still look different <laughs> enough because that S is so distinctive with the like the the middle bit of it actually curves downwards rather than upwards, so the hook is to oh, the yeah. right rather yeah, than yeah. the left. Like yeah. usually you have a hook uh, the S the hook of the S is towards the left, right? So his hook yep. is towards the right, and it's like it's such an idiosyncratic thing, but it. The font still looks so nice and mainstream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, yeah. So, I'd like, I think that's what you would need to uh, if you're going to make a like a uh, what I sort of say is like a clean a clean font. Like, yeah. I think it needs to have a kind of oddness. Yeah, I think I think I, might, I, I think I might um, uh, combine that S with uh, the U that I do, which is like with the, the with the prongs kind of slightly inside. Mm-hmm. I think I might combine those two and try to do like a mainstream font. That would look interesting. <laughs> what how how do we solve this buddy because at the moment like well, as, I'm, genuinely, I, this, I'm with... genuinely loving this conversation but <laughs> i feel like i feel like for our listeners i want i want us i want us to give people them a conclusion. will see re- returns in four to six months i suppose <laughs> <laughs> i think what would be nice what would be interesting is if you've made it this far and I, I, genuinely if you have made it this far i think what would be quite interesting is if you let us know like do you think about like? Do you notice fonts as you're read? Like, does the font when you're reading a comic book have any impact on what you kind of take from that? Like, do you notice when a font has been used a bunch? Do you do you look at something that has maybe maybe you don't know the name, but like, do you look at like the 
the old Wildstorm font and think like I've seen that a million times. Right. Like, I can barely read planetary these not? days because of that though. <laughs> so that's a, that's the I'd, I'd be very curious as to like as a general. I mean, you're not a general comics reader if you've listened to an hour and a half of this. But <laughs> as a as a sort of a general comic reader, like do, is 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 font something that you generally notice, and how does that impact your your response? Would be quite interesting. To yeah. Also, I have one more question, uh, which is that. Yes. We said a lot of stuff about fonts that we look at, but what are the obvious things that uh, you thought we should have addressed, which we did not? Because we could maybe do that in the next one. Yeah, that's Q&A good. Q&A kind that's of good. thing. Because I think we might yeah. have used a lot of jargon that nobody quite followed. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and I don't know I don't know if we use jargon so much as we just talked about like what letters from <laughs> fonts we like the shapes of. <laughs> so I don't, I, who is this for? This is great. Uh, we said this. Well, I, I mean, this Matt was Ligetti would be very happy about this, but other than that, I don't. Yeah, if Matt Ligetti, Matt, if you've made it, this is our test to see, Matt, if you have made it this far. <laughs> yeah, like episode. you need to message it. If you don't message, text us like we, yeah, like I mean. um okay well to solve it then so we've asked you guys who are listening if there are anyone left uh, a couple of questions about it but um your topic biddy ultimately at the top of the episode was what makes a good comic font right so i think we kind of addressed that yeah so for my summation of that is i want something that is clean readable but has a bit of character to it some kind of quality to it that feels a little bit uh specific right or you know idiosyncratic or however you want to define that but also ideally from a technical side has more than one variation of a you know has a handful of variations of of each letter Um, and ideally kind of auto auto ligatures just to save you know me having to to change an uppercase i to a lowercase (laughs) oh so see that's the thing that i did not actually plan to put into my fonts but i think if you if you genuinely feel that that's necessary i'll figure it out because it's just it's just it's just helpful see that's just code like the thing is that's the boring bit like that's that's not actually there's nothing to do with design that's just code so Mm -hmm. like it's just it's just me trying to bash my head against all the variations of how how certain kinds of eyes might appear and trying to code that into the font (laughs) <laughs> right right yeah that's a sample right yeah but uh, that's okay i'll do it for you that's fine thank you thank you <laughs> okay so for you then Bidhi, uh, to answer your own question what what makes a good comic font um shit <laughs> i didn't even try to think about that um uh, i think I, th- I think it would be the same thing that um for, firstly it would be something i can imagine somebody drawing Right, right. Like that's right. Um, even the digital stuff. It should be something I can imagine somebody drawing. Maybe a little less perfect, but it should be something that a hand could make. Um, mm-hmm. And beyond that, uh, I think it's just use cases. I think, um, I think we need a diversity of use cases rather than like making multiple fonts for the same thing. Like, uh, for example, the digital um, fonts that I buy, like the digital looking. I've only bought like a couple because after that I don't really need them. Like they 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 might look different from each other, but they're performing the same function. Right. Right. So I I think we need more fonts that perform more functions. Okay. As in how? As in like more scenarios. Like I can I can imagine uh, that like if, if there is an existing font that's like eighty percent perfect for a particular scenario, I would like one that is a hundred percent perfect. Okay. I I, okay. I I couldn't tell you off the off the top of my head right now like what that would be, uh, but like uh, let's let's take this idea like okay before man machine came along, 
mm-hmm. think mechanical robot fonts were still imperfect. Like they were only performing like eighty percent of the function. Once that came along, yeah. that was the hundred percent font. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect font. Yeah, again, has the problem with that that so that's kind of the script fonts doing that. I ha- I use that in, in in really quite a lot of instances. I know. I don't think I've used a single other uh, mechanical font since that one came along. I tried to I think I use recently, I use, and I couldn't do a hundred percent one. Yeah, I use I use Destructo Beam. I think for for something where I gave a couple of options, and that was one that right. I, I think I use Resistance Futile for some stuff, but that's mm-hmm. only because I've already used Man Machine in that that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got no other option. Yeah, exactly. I have to go for something else. It's it's. I would like more hundred percent fonts, basically. Uh, yeah, because auto ligatures. I think it's more about like. Um, I mean, I like those, and I like. I would like there to be more of those, but that's still mm-hmm. a luxury part. I think we still we right. we we might think we've kind of covered all the essentials, but I don't think we have. Yeah. 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 So there. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that it's that's like a nice add-on to have that's like a that's like a you know like a leather seat yeah. in a in a nice car yeah still the the, the car itself i don't know i, I don't, have <laughs> I don't car, know where that analogy is going yeah. I, was, I, was trying, I was trying to do a car analogy for someone who has no interest in cars um <laughs> but yeah so we've i think we've solved what makes a good comic book font absolutely i think if i mean if yeah, we, we couldn't <laughs> solve this one that would be shame on us like we are letterers for fun. <laughs> And that's the end of the show. Uh, that's the end of the season. We've we've we 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 couldn't solve the clearest uh, answer for the question for us to solve. So we may as well not carry on. No, we will be carrying on. We'll be we'll be coming to you. And I'm going to say this in this recording, so it has to it has to come true. Right. Uh, that the next episode of season two will be coming out in the next two weeks. Week. week? Two weeks. Two in weeks. the next two weeks. Yeah. Let, let, let's make it. Yeah. Like let's let's put a little less pressure on ourselves. Two weeks. In the next two weeks, will be the next episode, uh, where we'll be talking about two other topics that we have uh, thought about in the meantime. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks for checking out this week's Letters and Lines with Aditya and me. You can find the podcast at all the usual places. You can find podcasts like Apple Podcasts and, and all those places, SoundCloud, things like that. Uh, you can keep up to date with me on Twitter at Aditya B and on my website at AdityaB.net. And I'm on Twitter at Hassan OE. Plus, you can check out Strip Panel Naked on YouTube and my magazine at panelxpanel.com. Oh, I'm on Instagram as well at Adityabedikar. I'm leaving that in the recording as that. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, thanks for listening.